Hey, hey, Michael. Or Hello. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Oh, okay. I see the banner out there. <laughs> Good yeah, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Let us know, please, how to pronounce your name correctly, like okay. Americans, Michael or Mikael. Well, in Denmark, it's Mikael. Yeah, uh, but that, that's why I know, asked. As soon as we cross the border, it's Michael. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why I, I have asked, because for me, we are Europeans, it's more common for us to call Mikael, but wanted to ask what. Yeah, but I promise to uh, to answer you, uh, no matter which uh, which one you go with. So, uh. <laughs> okay, okay, perfect. First of all, thanks a lot for accepting our uh, invitation. Today we'll record episode number three. Uh, had two guys, we had two guys from US and from Canada. And now you'll be our first European Yay. guest. Uh, yeah, which is great. <laughs> um, I want to ask you several questions before we'll start. Uh, are you comfortable with sharing uh, team size, revenue size, or you want to keep these uh, things private? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fine. We have, we have very early stage, so there's uh, that's not a lot to dis, uh, disclose yet, so uh, feel free to ask. Okay, okay, perfect. Um, I expect we'll, I, I, I think we'll uh, need 45 minutes to record this episode. Are you okay with this timing? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, perfect. Um, well, then we can start. Uh, Steph, can you? Make yeah, sure yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all good. I'm sharing now on the on the B2B marketers and founders page, and uh, we can already start actually. Okay, perfect. So uh, this is our episode three of the Bootstrap Startup Podcast. Uh, with your hosts Andre and Stefan and today we invited our first European guest uh, Mikael Skogard who is CEO and founder of startup called Way and with Mikael we'll talk about how did he validate his idea uh, what stage uh, his, start, uh, his startup is uh, right now, uh, what, are he, what are his plans, what is his marketing strategy, and all the things everybody is interested uh, in. So, first of all, Mikhail, thanks a lot for joining us today. Um, can you please uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Of course, and uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, well, yeah, my name is Michael Skopskar, and I'm the CEO and founder of Y.com. Uh, and um, well, basically, we got this idea two years ago and have been developing since and uh, have very recently finished development of our first uh, official version. So we just uh, gone into the market now. So it's, it's very exciting times for us. and. Uh, getting ready for our first round of external investments soon as well. So uh, a lot of things going on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool. Um, I looked at your startup and, you know, I just one question pumped in my head. Uh, do you sell it to SMB or do you sell it to enterprise companies? 
Well, we actually have two different versions. We, we have a standalone version that can be uh, used in any browser. So SMB companies can use that uh, straight out of the gate. And then we have a version that is uh, um, meant to be integrated into enterprise HR platforms uh, so that the enterprise companies can basically integrate our solution into their existing workflow. So, oh. so they're both both uh, both segments for us. Got it, got it. And uh, you mentioned that Away is basically a software that helps to do automated candidate screening for HR. Can you maybe describe uh, some more features and maybe just uh, provide some more details about the product? Sure. So, first of all. Uh, um, the reason why we wanted to create this uh, this software was actually to help ourselves, uh, because um, in our previous careers we've uh, we've hired a lot of people, and but we've also had to let uh, some people go, and and other people have decided to to go by themselves uh, and leave our companies, and uh, we've always been pretty good at uh, hiring based on competencies, but when we looked at why. Um, a certain employee either had to be let go or left by themselves. It was often other factors, like you know, the personality wasn't right with the with the team they were working in, or maybe they didn't feel at home in the culture or the values of the company. And uh, and we decided that it would be a great tool to have if we could analyze all candidates even before they're invited to interviews and have a. a a sense of whether or not they would actually fit into the team or into the company. Uh, so that's basically why we wanted to create the tool so that we could avoid these failed hires uh, so that uh, we could avoid the, the, the monetary loss of, of having to uh, go out and hire a new person and, and not being productive in the meantime, but also helping to avoid that these employees that were hired, that they didn't, you know, kind of have, have this bad experience. So uh, so that's why we, we, we wanted to, to create the, uh, the tool. And uh, and then we started to look into how can, how can we do that? And uh, because we wanted to automate the process as, as much as we could, so that we uh, didn't just introduce another process on top of all the other processes that were already going on. Uh, and and we discovered that we could use linguistic analysis, oh. and you know, you can you can study to be a linguist at university. So you can study text, and you can defer a lot of interesting information about the person who's written that text, about the personality and the values and the culture of that person. Uh, and actually, that's it's that kind of science that we have just trained a computer to do, and and are using to automate. You know the. The, the analysis of, of the applications so that we can... Uh, we Michael, can I have a question. Are you using NLP? Yeah. Uh, are you using NLP to process all this data? Uh, we, we're not using uh, NLP uh, in, in this. This is, uh, this is you know, it's um, it's machine learning uh, okay. that has been taught the, uh, the, the science and the algorithm behind the linguistic analysis. But in order to uh, to identify the skills in the uh, in the applications, we actually uh, use natural language processing uh, for that, so that we can make sure that 
if you write that you have experience within um, creative software, for instance, or uh, video editing, that's if we have written something else as a as the requirement that we can identify those uh, different words and and see that you actually mean the same thing so so we use a variant of it. Mm -hmm. you know your story reminded me that uh, lots of great products originate from personal need or personal yeah. challenge and uh, this is just another example of that yeah yeah and I was wondering when uh, you just came up with the idea, uh, did you monitor the market? Uh, were at that stage any competitive products? Yeah, we, we both looked at what's out there uh, at that moment. Uh, are there any, anybody doing this already? Um, and we also uh, booked meetings with a lot of our contacts that we had with some of the large companies here in Denmark. And, uh, and I tried to figure out, is this an issue mm -hmm. uh, or is it just us? Uh, do they see the same problems that we have been experiencing? And, and is it uh, just as big as a problem as we've seen it? And, and is it something that they would actually like to solve? Uh, and and uh, or, uh, that was, uh, the answer was uh, fortunately positive. It was a problem that they wanted to have solved, so, so that that kind of uh, gave us the thumbs up to to go ahead and uh, and, uh, and start the development. Uh, I'm wondering, um, did you uh, uh, first of all uh, during that validation process, um, how did you reach out to customers? Oh, to potential customers because uh, I know lots of startup founders or those who just have an idea uh, they struggle with reaching out to target audience the most common question is you know how to select the right group of people to ask their feedback because you might get inappropriate and correct feedback and then create a wrong MVP uh, the next question how to persuade them to have a meeting or have a call with me. So what was your approach? How did you choose the group and how did you uh, persuade them to have a call and provide you a feedback on idea? Yeah, and that, that's a great question because it, it, it can be a challenge. And, uh, and we were fortunate enough that uh, many of the people that we wanted to talk to were people that we have done business with previously in our careers. So we had a good network that we could activate and, and book meetings with them. Uh, so, so that wasn't that hard. And they were pretty open in discussing their issues and problems and, 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 uh, and how we could help. Uh, but when we stepped outside of our own network, it, it, it's, it's a hard thing. It's, uh, it's, it's something that you really, um, you really have to just keep on going because there's a lot of no's involved along the way. <laughs> and, and you just have to keep going until you, you find the ones that, that see what it is that you're trying to do and, and can see the benefit of having this discussion. And, uh, and we were lucky enough that there were, there were a lot of people who were willing to do that. Um, but we, we, we also, in, in order to, to go out as broadly as we, as we could, we, um, 
we we came in contact with a, another Danish company called UserTribe, and uh, and what they do is that they have a huge database of people within different industries, industries in different positions and and uh, and within different kind of you know job positions. Um, that uh, you can you can tell them that we have an HR solution. We would like to uh, test that with HR people at a senior level in uh, companies of this and this size. And then they look in their database and they send out invitations to them. And we found uh, quite a lot of uh, interesting people there willing to test our software, where uh, where we actually had uh, them recorded on video as they tested it, so we can see their reactions and we could get some some really useful feedback uh, during the development as well. So, so it, it was a combination of our network and some hard work, getting meetings, and then using this uh, this uh, kind of uh, interesting approach that User Tribe has as well. But at the stage you had a better version of Wave, yep. Uh, so you, we, you could show something there. Uh, we we had uh, a uh, I would call it a prototype, uh, not not an MVP or but a prototype. So mm -hmm. the, the screens were there and some of the functions were working, but but not everything was was connected, you know. So <laughs> so we could show them something and uh, and they could get a, an idea of what we were trying to do, and then as we progressed in the development, we of course invited them in again, and they could. We kind of, you know, iterated back and forth uh, during the development process so that they could give us continuous feedback. Uh, so we we tried to develop it in, in an agile way, you know, so we, we had uh, development sprints. And whenever we had uh, a new sprint, that was based on uh, this kind of feedback from customers. So we implemented the feedback and then uh, interviewed them again and then iterated and kept on going uh, like that. So that was that was a, a very good way for us to do it. Yeah, I totally agree because it makes sense to validate first of all a prototype instead of building a software. And I was wondering, did you pre-sell your product uh, during these presentations or you just collected the feedback and the willingness to buy once you'll be ready? Uh, I think we didn't sell enough. <laughs> we, we, we were so interested in the feedback, but if I look back now, I, 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 I would have pressed harder for them to kind of, you know, uh, come on, let's, let's commit to using this software uh, when, when we're done with it, so that we could have uh, even more commitment with these test customers and even more or even better traction when we when we decide to go out into the market because um, as you know uh, from when we released it uh, early this year and up until now a lot of the time has been uh, kind of in corona land and that hasn't <laughs> helped sales uh, very much right so so i wish we have had that early traction with these customers by being more aggressive on the sales pitch uh, during development as well but uh, there you go <laughs> you live and you learn so. and i want to ask you maybe you can share some tip or script or like 
uh, what was your approach to, besides what you have mentioned, besides your network, which is obvious, you can leverage your network, your connections, and uh, that company uh, that provided you your data, um, how did you generate new meetings? How did you use LinkedIn and send emails or connection requests? And if yes, what uh, type, of, like what your message looked like? What did yeah. you say to them? Yeah. Well, we've. Um, I come from the IT business uh, previously, and and uh, I'm pretty new within HR. So what I've been doing from the beginning is trying to build out my connections within HR. So, so I've uh, sent out a lot of invitations, uh, and and they're pretty much based on my uh, my genuine interest in getting to know more people within HR. So it was seeking inspiration and, uh, and, and just being able to connect with people within HR. And, uh, and a lot of people have uh, fortunately been open to that. So mm -hmm. I've grown the network quite a bit. And then if I have seen some, uh, some way of uh, beginning a meaningful dialogue with some of these contacts, then I've written an, 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 a message to them where, where there is a, a certain agenda. So that could, for instance, in the early days have been, you know, testing of the software. And now it's, it's more perhaps in, in, in relation to, um, we, are, we are seeking new customers. Would you be willing to consider us in, uh, in your uh, recruitment process? And, and so, and, and then there's a lot of variations, you know, you try different things. When when you don't get a response, you immediately you feel, oh, have I was that the wrong way of doing it? Let's try another one. And so you you always try to do things uh, a little bit differently. But a lot of messages back and forth. And uh, and I, I don't know what a, what a good hit rate is on LinkedIn, uh, but it's uh, uh, I think maybe around. 30-40% of the invitations have been accepted and then maybe I guess maybe around 10% of them have ended up in some meaningful dialogue that could lead into a potential uh, customer uh, at some point. So, uh, yeah. Nice. I'm sorry, I can't hear you, Andre. Can you guys, can you guys hear Andre, we can't hear you. I'm sorry, I just muted myself. <laughs> Forgot to unmute. <laughs> yeah. uh, can you please share with us your current uh, level of revenue and team size? Well, we we're uh, still only the two founders uh, in our company uh, who are full-time. And then we've outsourced uh, everything. And we, we've actually done that from the very beginning. So we outsourced the development uh, and we outsourced uh, the uh, online marketing parts. And then we've kind of, you know, direct sales and, and everything else around product and strategy and, and stuff like that. We, we've done ourselves, uh, but we outsourced everything. Um, so in total, I think we have a team of maybe uh, around 10 people and more uh, that have helped create, develop or market or in some way help us to, to create the solution. And um, and because we have targeted the, the, the very largest companies in, in Denmark, that's a really long sales cycle. So we, we've, we've only reached the phase where we have a lot of test customers that are using the product and testing it, but we have no signed contracts yet. So 
uh, basically our revenue is is zero at this point. So it's it's as early as it can be. Got it, got it. But anyway, um, you have test customers. Let's say that leads at the moment, not customers, which is also a good sign. And um, just uh, let's make an assumption: what MRR or deal value do you expect from customers from uh, from one of these customers? Yeah. Well, I guess this depends on on uh, on which segment we're talking about. Of course, when we're talking about SMB customers, uh, that could vary quite a bit. And uh, and I guess from the from the budgets that we have uh, put in, um, they could be around somewhere around maybe two to five thousand euros per year in revenue from from SMB customers. And SMB for us is defined. Uh, customers around 200 employees and up to around a thousand employees. So okay. that, that's the SMB range we're talking mm-hmm. about. And and then the enterprise customers, which in the ones that we're targeting here in Denmark, is around you know uh, roughly around 2,000 employees and upwards. Most of them are 10,000 plus uh, employees. And there we're talking more about like maybe uh, maybe around 200 and. 50,000 euros uh, per year uh, for most of them. So uh, depending on the volume of applicants that they have, that varies quite a bit. But that's that's the that, that's the expected revenue. Cool. Um, one question. Did you acquire Carlsberg already? <laughs> I didn't hear that, sorry. Carlsberg, did you acquire Carlsberg as a customer? It's, it's, it's funny that you're asking because I have a meeting with them tomorrow. Uh, so. Send them this video, send them the video, it's recorded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly, yeah. Fingers so, uh, crossed for your success. Yeah, I, I that, guys. that as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah guys Thanks. didn't know. Podcast host didn't know about it, but I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I wish I wish you closed this deal. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, another question I wanted to ask: At what stage uh, you decided to outsource development? Um, was it from early beginning, uh, or at some particular stage? Um, and the next question. From your point of view, what are the benefits of outsourcing versus a growing in-house team? Well, I, uh, for me, the two questions are actually linked because the reason why we decided to outsource was because that we we didn't know from the beginning which technologies we would use in our technology stack, and uh, you know, yeah. for using the linguistic analysis and making the machine learning and the, the and building the algorithms and so on, we didn't know which platform, te- technology-wise, that we would uh, do it on, and uh, and so it was hard for us to go out and and look for a developer with a particular skill set because what if that wasn't the right skill set? Uh, you know, after a month or two months of work, then we had to let that person go and find a new one. So, so we decided to be more flexible there and, and have. Uh, uh, some people involved with different skill sets, and then when we knew uh, what kind of technology we were using, 
then we said to ourselves, then we might hire the right person to, to come into the team. But actually, it's been working so well with the outsourcing that we, we haven't we haven't decided to, to hire any developers yet. But we would like to make a, an in-house team. Uh, and, and But I think the right timing for us would be when we have the first you know the first let's say 10 or 20 customers and we have kind of you know a good traction around revenue i think then we might consider building our internal team uh, but the outsourcing has actually worked very well for us right um, um yeah michael, yeah. michael i have a question what what channel so you, since you're using an outsourced team right uh, the connection with the product is kind of strong. How do you keep the, the connection with the product? So, you know, they always deliver the right offer because, uh, yeah, okay, just answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, basically the Agile method kind of, you know, uh, made sure of that because we were so uh, much in touch, you know, having uh, stand-ups every morning and playbacks every Friday and, you know, continuous dialogue every day. Uh, it, it was uh, it, it was kind of hard not to be in sync, you know. And uh, and we actually also decided from the very beginning, you know, to have, um, you know, we didn't start coding right away. We actually started, you know, uh, kind of making sure that we understood exactly what our needs were and what mm -hmm. the fears and hopes and mm -hmm. and all of that in in the project was together with the developers so that they had an understanding and, and a journey together with us that, that led up to a, actually, you know, a common decision on what is it that we're going to develop here. So, so uh, when we actually started developing, uh, everybody had a, a clear sense of where we were going. So that, that, that made sure that even though we were external persons, that they actually had a very good idea and, and almost felt, you know, <laughs> as as dedicated to the project as we did because we, we used maybe two weeks up front, you know, not coding anything, but just making sure that we uh, decided on the right uh, things from the beginning. So, uh, so that I think that was important. That foundation made it a lot easier and, and, and gave a, a stronger commitment from, from the developer. And uh, do you outsource it to a software development company or did you have freelancers? Uh, it was actually a company uh, here in Denmark uh, that, that we decided on because they had, they had a lot of different resources in-house. So they had both the data scientists that we needed for the AI and, and machine learning parts, but they also had uh, you know UX designers and uh, developers and and uh, and the project managers and, and and whatnot so we we decided to to kind of you know pool it together uh, at, at one company and now we've started you know when when after we finished the the, the full first version of the product we've actually um, and we used upwork for that uh, we've identified some specialists within certain areas so that we have multiple uh, people uh, with the same skill sets so we have some redundancies uh, if uh, if one person is unavailable we have another that we can use instead so so we're starting to, to build out you could say nice. and in terms of marketing um, what 
are you and your co-founder in charge of and what do you outsource? Well, my co-founder is, uh, is a former CFO and has been that for, I guess, 25 years more. So uh, obviously he handles the financial part uh, of, of everything. So, you know, budgeting and uh, accounting and, and stuff like that. He is uh, perfect for that. But he is also in his role as CFO in, in, in his previous companies. He's had the responsibility for uh, HR and, and for implementing HR systems. So he has a very good understanding of what is it that is needed and, and what are the challenges and what are, are the issues out there. Uh, so, so he's, he's a, a strong part of, of that. And I come from the IT side, so uh, the development uh, you know, strategy and, and uh, the planning and the coordination and the execution of development part and the technical setup of everything we use and stuff like that. Uh, that is something that, that I'm taking care of. And then we kind of share the, the sales and the marketing part of the business and, and do that uh, together. So, uh, we try to use each other's uh, strong strong parts as to, uh, to, to, uh, to the best of our ability. Yeah, but you also mentioned that you uh, outsource uh, yeah. marketing and I was wondering uh, what exactly do you outsource and uh, yeah, again, do you work with agency or with freelancers? Yeah, that's a good question. We, we actually, and, and, and once again, that was actually because of some personal connections. So we, we decided on an agency and, and it was an agency that actually also uses AI or machine learning in, in, in the way that they do online marketing. So they don't do the creative side as much, although they, they do provide input on, you know, what is needed creatively. You know, we need some videos with these and these kind of, you know, uh, uh, words being said, or we need blog articles of this kind of uh, a topic and, and stuff like that. And then we create them. So we, we write our own content and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and do all of that creative side ourselves, but they do the, you know, the, the me mechanics of, uh, of uh, the advertising on Facebook and LinkedIn and, and Instagram and stuff like that. So they have the knowledge of those advertising platforms and try to optimize that as much as possible. At what stage did you invite uh, the agency for, to do those processes for you? Oh, we, uh, quite early actually. Uh, because we wanted to test some, we had some ideas about creating an, a marketing funnel, you know, so that we could lead generate using online marketing. So actually we, we wanted to test a lot even before the product was, fit, was finished. Um, so we, uh, we experimented a lot there and had some good results and, uh, and, and used that as, as the foundation, you know, for, uh, for our budgets and, and for Kind of you know uh, the division between how much online marketing do we need and how much direct sales resources do we need going forward so we engaged with them pretty early on uh, before we were finished with it got it uh, yeah please go what, what marketing channels work for you right now so you you mentioned you do a lot of paid um anything else like channel channel wise maybe content work i guess the, the, the channel that provides the best traffic or most traffic for us is 
definitely Google. Uh, so, you know, being found on the right search terms or search words and then and criteria uh, is, is something that is, has been very beneficial. It's also the most expensive part, but it, it, it does provide, for us at least, it does provide the best uh, qualified leads actually. Uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, has not been that effective for us, but I think that is equally our own fault based on, you know, how creative or kind of, you know, uh, yeah, how creative are we with our advertising, right? We, you, you need to stand out a lot more uh, on, on Facebook and Instagram to yeah. to get get people's attention, right? Uh, and then LinkedIn, we have tried a little bit there as well. It's very expensive, but you can, you can target some pretty interesting people uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, so that is something that we'll be experimenting even more with. But but Google is really effective for us because it it, it you know we grab people when they have an intent to look for exactly what it is that we provide. So when they search for something, that's a really active intent. So 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 it's a very qualified lead we get when using Google. Perfect. Uh, service us one tip how to find a great co-founder because this is a question I quite often get from our community members. Yeah, and I, I, I can understand why because uh, now my co-founder and I, we go way back. We, we, we've known each other for over 10 years. So we just never, uh, we had kids who went to the same class and we've never done business or anything. but. Um, just around the time when I sold my part of, of, of my previous business, uh, he did the same in his, and uh, we started to eat breakfast together and just discuss what the future might bring for us. And and then all of a sudden, it, it uh, we, we realized that we actually had some common interests and some uh, some things that we actually agreed that we could actually do something about this, you know. In this case, the recruitment process. So, so it was kind of a coincidence that we ended up doing business together. Uh, but if I haven't met him, I think I would still use my network to find a co-founder, and uh, because it's really important that you kind of you know know people and trust people. But otherwise, I've I've seen a lot of uh, online platforms as well that kind of you know wants to help you identify the co-founders and uh, and people who could uh, do business with. So maybe that would be another way to do it. But uh, I was lucky to to find one, yeah, almost next door. So so that was perfect. <laughs> cool, thanks. That's a great story. That's a great story, definitely. Um, I was wondering, because uh, you don't generate any revenue at the moment, but you have some decent prospects in your sales pipeline. And how do you allocate budget for marketing at the moment? Does it a fixed budget or like what, 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 what is your approach? Well, the approach right now is that we don't spend any money on advertising because of the Corona crisis. So, yeah. so and actually we, we uh, it was, uh, yeah, I guess it, it was a bit lucky for us because we actually decided right before Corona hit us to, to stop advertising and and uh, create a, a a light version of our product 
because um, you know when we uh, engage with customers, it's it can be a little scary for them to uh, to uh, change the screening process, which is a process that they've all, always had people do. Uh, so I imagine that we uh, we are we feel kind of like you know the first um, people that that came out and wanted to sell industrial robots to car manufacturers or, or someone uh, like that. You know, it, people can be a little bit skeptical and and they they think well humans do this best. Uh, so uh, we want to hear what you have to offer and and and, and what you're selling. Uh, but but let us just uh, just. Be cautious a, a little bit, and then you know uh, uh, some people find out. Well, they actually agree that they can do a lot better here. So those are the ones in our pipeline right now that they agree uh, this could actually be a better solution than having humans screen all these applications with their human biases and uh, time constraints and, and what what else they have uh, as issues. Um, and then uh, when when um, uh, uh, sorry, I lost the thread there. <laughs> um, no problem. Yeah, then, then we, then we uh, you know, in order to get these customers on board, despite those reservations, we want to create a light version, you know, where we don't automate the candidate selection, but we, we do provide them with the analysis so they can determine for themselves which candidates are the best. So it's, it's not automated, but they still get the benefit of the analysis. So that's what we are doing in this period, you know, where Corona kind of hit us. Uh, so the marketing side will definitely pick up again. And, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a major cost for us. We, we see sales and marketing being one of the most, uh, most prominent posts in our, in our budget. Mikhail, I have a yeah. question. Um, so you are... Uh, so you're providing uh, a product to recruiters, right? And recruiting firms and, you know, um, question, what does it analyze? Does it analyze the resume? Does it analyze a video interview? The, you know, what does the product actually do? I'm just curious. Yeah, well, the engine that, that we use to analyze is dependent on text. So, you know, if you receive an application, you know, a CV or a motivated uh, or a cover letter, sorry, a motivational letter. Um, then we analyze the text in that. So we start off by removing everything that we don't need. So name, addresses, pictures, and stuff like that, we remove. And then we have the bulk parts of the text left. Uh, and then we analyze that. And if there's not enough text there, you know, if you've sent a very brief uh, CV, then they're invited to a digital coffee meeting where they are asked some questions that they have to answer. And then that text goes into the analysis as well to provide uh, enough accuracy in the analysis. Uh, and then um, we present that, you know, within personality, values, culture, and skills so that we can uh, create a basically, you know, a, a total profile, you know, a 360 uh, degree profile of each candidate uh, and, and we we do that automatically so let's say we if we are integrated to your HR system then you just receive the applications as you have always done but we receive a copy and analyze that and then we uh, put the result into the candidate profile within your HR system and then you can 
uh, in your candidate list, you have another column with the score, so you can uh, simply just uh, rank them based on that score. And you can press the score and see the, the candidate profile to see why is it that the, the person has received this score. So it, it becomes really easy to see which of the candidates that have applied are the ones that uh, actually fit the job the best, based on personality, of course, but also values, culture, and, and skills. Nice. Cool. Um, you know what? I, in the end of our conversation, I wanted to ask you um, your tips or your maybe secret. Because <laughs> 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 you mentioned that you generated some enterprise leads, and you know, that's a dream for yeah. every startup founder. And we already mentioned <laughs> you have a great meeting tomorrow. So, yeah. what are your tips? How? We are not saying acquiring because you didn't sign contract yet, uh, but how do generate meetings with enterprise accounts? What are thoughts on that? Well, we, we do it in, in different ways. We have used online marketing and that has actually uh, resulted in some pretty, pretty big companies uh, from all around the world who actually reach out to us based on, 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 on our uh, advertising. So, so that's... I, I think maybe around, I don't know, a third of our uh, of our leads uh, from the enterprise segment come from from that aspect. Then one third comes from our networking, you know, people we know uh, uh, that that we have cultivated. And then the last part is is something that we have generated, you know, contacting them directly, and that could be via LinkedIn, you know, messaging on, on LinkedIn but also simply just picking up the phone and, and, and calling them and, uh, and starting a, 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 a conversation with them around how, how their recruitment process uh, is, is today and where they see their biggest issues with it uh, are. And then we kind of you know, go from there. Uh, and conversations can... Uh, I guess the best tip I could... I, I could give you is, is actually from from uh, a guy who's helping us optimize our sales process where um, where he says that you, you, you just don't have to be afraid of not talking about your product when you call customers so <laughs> we, we actually do not talk very much about our product we, we actually more we ask more about their situation and then when they speak about their situation and we ask them pretty open questions then their answers uh, will very quickly indicate whether or not we are able to help them. And often they, they, they actually end up asking, is that something you, you can help me with? And hey, yes, we can. <laughs> we can actually do that. So the questioning and, and not being afraid of, you know, waiting for their answers, you know. So if you ask, ask them a question and, 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 and there's only silence at the other end, that you actually just wait for them to kind of process the question and actually answer you. That That is actually something that has, has helped us very much. So, so maybe that's a pro tip for, for selling is uh, don't be afraid to ask uh, open questions uh, that are not necessarily related to your product and then waiting for the customer to open up and, and actually answering the, the question. Cool. Um... Well, it was really insightful. And my last question, uh, I want to ask you, what are your favorite books 
one business book and one non-fiction book you can highly recommend to everybody oh i, I think the the book i read that uh, that maybe uh, non-fiction book uh, or oh, sorry uh, fictional book uh, is Dan Brown's uh, I think it's called Deception Point uh, yeah, I, I really like yeah. that one okay I, um, I think that's the one that is about you know encryption and uh, you know it's uh, it's written many years ago a digital fortress many years ago. yeah digital fortress that's the one yeah. <laughs> it, came, it came out thank you it came out um, uh, Actually, quite a lot of years before Snowden made his revelations about how you know the uh, surveillance and stuff like that uh, has been going on, and actually in that book, Dan Brown pretty much describes what Snowden has revealed. So it it, it was kind of an interesting book to read in, from the perspective of how many years it has been written ago. And my favorite, maybe business book or related business book, is actually the one I'm reading right now. Oh, Factfulness. Factfulness. Yeah, by Hans Rosling. And uh, it's uh, if you're pessimistic about the world and think that everything is just going down the drain at the moment, then you should read a book where facts actually tell the story and you get pretty optimistic afterwards. Yeah. I read it as well. Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah, I never have, <laughs> so we'll add it to my reading list. Yeah. Thanks a lot for recommending. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. It was really interesting conversation. And uh, I wish all the best to Wei and to personally. Um, hope, hope one of the best beers company will leverage your product. <laughs> well, I hope the customer tomorrow uh, is going to uh, to buy our solution. I I will look forward to many on-site visits. Share this podcast with them. Share the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much, and I hope we'll chat in future episodes. Well, thank you for having me. Have a great day. Thank you, Mike. Have a great Good luck. Likewise. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, so we are done.